Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to another listener's episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and this is normally when I say, as always, I'm joined by my ghoul friend Jessica, but today I am not due to life and tech issues and the fact that when you're hearing this, our time, it is Saturday. So just a couple days before this airs, Jessica's at a work conference. So I have a stand-in host today. I have my husband, Matt, or aka intern Matt, hanging out with me to help me out today. So say hello to the spooksters. Hello. <laughs> He's going to be helping me out and reading your stories. If you are new here, hello and welcome. Normally, it's Jessica and I, and Matt is our content warning that you hear at the beginning of each episode. So before we get started, if you would like to follow us and hang out on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and pretty much every platform like that. Head to the show notes. I built a fun little link tree that you can check out. We are also on Patreon if you would like to support the show. We're an indie podcast, and we do everything in-house. You can have access to bonus content, such as episodes, bloopers, and all kinds of great stuff. Um, We have a bunch of different tiers, so definitely check that out. We appreciate you guys. But that is really all I have for our business talk. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to Matt here, and he is going to start us with our first story of the evening. All right. Hey, Spooksters. So uh, the first story is going to be from Caitlin, and I'm going to read this exactly as she submitted it. So I'm going to try and put some emphasis or some feeling behind some of this stuff. But like I said, I'm going to read it exactly how it's written. I didn't think I would ever be able to write another listener story, but I got one now. I've been suffering from sleep paralysis for a few years now. Usually I just wake up, but can't move, and I feel like something is holding me down, and I'm frozen in my bed. But sometimes I see things. Usually if I see things, I see them up on the ceiling, and it's usually a giant spider or dark mist. Last night or early this morning, on the 20th of November, it's the scariest to date. I have serious anxiety and starting to shake just writing about it. So here we go with the story. I'm not sure what time this morning when it all happened, but I woke up at some point and felt the sleep paralysis coming on and saw two small children with dark eyes grinning or staring at me. I couldn't move. I couldn't look away. My whole body started shaking. My heart started pounding and all I could do was cry. I woke up my husband once. I could move again and the children were gone. My husband grabbed me and buried me in his chest so I couldn't see anything around me until I eventually fell back asleep. I'm not sure if it's my house that could have something in it, or if it's me that's haunted. P.S. Hi, Kate the Bell Witch. My husband and friends call me Kate, so when I heard that the Bell Witch was a third spook girl, I got really, really excited. All right, thanks, Caitlin. Uh, We really enjoyed your story, and we'll definitely be getting this out there as soon as we can. Yes, and I know at this point, Sarah's already kind of posted some tips for you since you also shared your story in the Spookster Club. If anyone listening has any tips, you're welcome to post them in the Facebook group if you're in there, or if you want to email or DM them to us, we'll make sure to forward them to her. 
I know she'll appreciate it because I believe she's kind of had a on and off thing with sleep paralysis, but the creepy ass children thing is new. And uh, yeah, no fucking thank you. Okay, so our next story is from Marin, and she says, This happened to me when I was 15 and still freaks me out to this day. In my freshman year of high school, my church group took us all on a little field trip to the Queen Mary for a one-night stay. At the time, I didn't necessarily believe in ghosts, but they definitely freaked me out. On the way there, one of the kids on the bus discovered that the Queen Mary is actually ranked number five or something as one of the most haunted places in the USA, and this sent everyone into a panic. The whole ride there, we read ghost stories and weird encounters people had had on the boat. The stories were freaky for sure, but I didn't think much of it. As soon as I stepped on the boat, I had an overwhelming amount of dark energy, and my whole body went cold. It just felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. The rest of the night was fine. We had a dance in the main ballroom and explored the ship, but it wasn't until we got to bed that everything went wrong. Me and my three closest friends all shared a room. There were two rooms separated by a door. I stayed in the first room with another girl, sharing a queen-size bed, while my two other friends stayed in the second room with two twin-size beds and a bathroom. Remember, there was a door separating us. We all brushed our teeth in the bathroom just chatting away about normal 15-year-old girl things. After everyone brushed their teeth and left, I was alone in the bathroom washing my face. I turned off the sink and started to leave when all of a sudden the sink turned on by itself. The water was coming out super fast and was boiling hot, which was weird because while we brushed our teeth, the water pressure sucked and the water was freezing cold. I frantically turned off the water and ran into the other room. I decided just to ignore it and to go to bed. I shut the door that separated us and climbed into bed with my other friend. I was so exhausted, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't fall asleep. I had an overwhelming feeling that something was watching me. My friend passed out right away, which wasn't helping me at all. Throughout the night, I kept getting up and staring at this wheelchair in the corner of the room, which wouldn't fucking help me either because I've seen videos because we covered Queen Mary and everything's in the time period. So it's not going to be a modern wheelchair. It's going to be a like creepy ass wooden (laughs) 1900s wheelchair. (laughs) Just chilling. Oh, yeah. Like the ones that uh, you always saw in those old Titanic documentaries and stuff. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. No. No fucking thanks. I could swear someone was sitting in it and staring at me, but every time I looked there, there would be no one. I kept getting up to stare at the wheelchair until I gave up and forced myself to shut my eyes, praying the bad feelings would go away. In the middle of the night, I felt someone staring at me again, and this time, the feeling was so overwhelming, I had to look. I got up to see my best friend Kate in the doorway. She wasn't moving or saying anything, just staring. I've known Kate my whole life. We've had tons of sleepovers, and I know for a fact that she does not sleepwalk. I asked her what the fuck she was doing, and she just said nothing, go to sleep. This sent chills throughout my body, so I just pulled the covers over my head and waited for her to leave. When I looked up, she was gone. The door was still open. A few minutes went by, and I heard the door slam. I thought she had to be messing with me at this point, so I ran to her room telling her to knock it the fuck off, and she was just fast asleep with my other friend. I spent the rest of the night in the covers, ignoring every feeling and every sound because I couldn't handle any more spookiness. That morning, when everyone woke up, my friends could tell I was off. I yelled at my friend asking her why she was trying to scare me and how messed up it was. She told me she hadn't gotten up the whole night before and asked me what the heck I was talking about. When I told them what happened, they just laughed and thought I made the whole thing up. I still bring it up to her today, and every time she insists that I hallucinated or something. But yeah, it still haunts me to this day. I have no idea what happened that night. Nope. Mm-mm. I'm not about that life. 
That reminds me of like some fucking horror movie shit and I am not doing that. But that's another thing too that was really common with paranormal activity on the Queen Mary was knocking and noises and stuff. And then if you watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved with them, um, I can't remember what, which one of the guys, I always get their names mixed up, but one of them went to the Queen Mary when he was really young and he had something on the counter. It was like a Ziploc bag of like his toothpaste or something. Cause when you travel, obviously like, you know, you pack stuff like that. It flew off the counter. So all the bathrooms are haunted and Matt is rolling his eyes because he is a bigger skeptic than Jessica. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our quick break to give a shout out to our new patrons since the last time we recorded a listener's episode. This time, we want to say a huge thank you to RJ and Melissa. Welcome to the Spookster Club. We also want to give a shout out to Heather for increasing to our $5 tier and Elia for increasing to our $10 tier. If you'd like your own shout out to get access to bonus content and to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash three spooked girls or head to the link tree in the show notes. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate each and every one of you for being a part of the Spookster Club. It honestly means the world to us that you take any of your hard-earned money and send it our way for our indie podcast. We love you guys. All right, so I guess it's back to me, and I'm going to be reading Rachel's story. Growing up in the 90s, my grandmother, I call her Mima, was my heart and soul. Oh, that's nice. I had a grandma named Nina. Loved her to death. Anyway, I spent countless hours on weekends and summers kicking it with what I considered my bestie. Mima would let me pick whatever I wanted at Blockbuster, and we'd binge all the R-rated films I couldn't get away with watching at home. When I could hardly read, I picked horror films by the cover. I had The Shining and Carrie under my belt by the age of seven. But Mima was so good at consoling irrational fear surrounding fiction. It's just a story. It's make-believe, she would tell me. You have to be able to tell the difference. For the most part, it always worked. Except, Mima would tell me stories about my grandfather constantly knocking on her bedroom dresser and driving her batshit. Just like bouncing a ball off a vertical surface in a game of wall ball. But to me, it kind of wasn't possible, considering my grandfather had died in 1968. Meanwhile, my grandfather had a strained relationship back then, on the brink of divorce. One day, Meemaw, at her wit's end, cried out to the universe, I wish he'd just dropped dead. Within a week, he fell asleep behind the wheel and was ejected from a vehicle. Decades later, Mima would swear this repetitive knocking was Lynn. Yes, my grandfather's name was Lynn, like the BTK killer's middle name, which Jessica consistently reminds us is a girl's name. <laughs> That's okay, my dad's middle name is Lindsay, so I'm right there with you. That's almost worse. A little bit, yeah. I mean, considering <laughs> it's also my brother's middle name, so. Poor James. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I mean, you can't help who you get named after. Anyway. She told me that the knocking one day was so persistent and so constant, Mima was at her wit's end and screamed, Lynn, knock that shit off. And it stopped. Then and there. I had never heard it personally, and I developed a thick skin of skepticism, even as an elementary school kid. So I took her story with a grain of salt. Then one night, I'm settling into bed watching, I'm sure, some late 90s treasure from Blockbuster with my Mima. And then it began. 
rhythmic and deliberate. Of course, the dresser is on my side of the bed, and I question Mima about it, a bit startled. Nonchalant as can be, she responds, I told you, it's Lynn. Excuse fucking me. This creeper is about a foot and a half from my bedside, and my hair stands on end. There was clearly nothing there, but the repetition continued. I was relieved at the time, knowing Mima had demanded he shut up, and it worked, and it was supposedly my grandfather, even if I had never met him. The odd thing was, my grandfather had never even lived in that house. Mima moved from the hustle of the city to two hours away to raise her kids as a single mom. Though Lynn's mother, my great-grandmother, disinterred his body without Mima knowing, and moved him 15 minutes from her new home. So perhaps it's possible it was him, making it known he had made it to the family home. Perhaps it was furniture settling during a barometric pressure change, but then I wonder who or what the hell else it could have been. Meemaw ran a boarding house, so who knows what energy, spirits, poltergeist, ghouls, or ghosts passed through attached to the borders. Or maybe it was there before Meemaw. There was also heaps of antique furniture passed down from generations of the family in the home too. Energies cling to a multitude of things, right? I just can't rationalize it, even though I try and excuse the memory for my age. Meemaw confirmed it. All I know is, 20 years later, I still truly question the origins of that spine-chilling game, an unknown presence seemingly played for a bit of otherworldly entertainment. Love you, ladies. Well, that was interesting. Plus, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Is your hand okay? Mm -hmm. He added sound effects. (laughs) Yeah, I had replied to her... And also brought up, I mean, you're a skeptic, so really you'll just roll your eyes at this whole thing, but that's fine. Everybody else will appreciate this nugget. Yeah, nugget. <laughs> that perhaps the idea of if it was him, there's always that idea of spirits attached to people rather than houses. So it may have had nothing to do with the house and it being a boarding house. It could have been that it was her and just with her badassness of apparently being able to talk things into the universe at such a high fucking capacity. You never fucking know. He may have been like, bitch, I'm here. I gotta move closer to you. Also, fun fact, there was a uh, blockbuster where we live actually still in operation until earlier this year. Yeah, it closed uh, about eight or nine months ago, sadly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was still open and everything. I have a shirt and a keychain. And when they were closing out, we actually got a bunch of really good movies for like a dollar and some even cheaper. So it was really nostalgic when we first got here, seeing that there was still a blockbuster that existed. But sadly, it does not exist anymore. (laughs) I think the only one left is one that's privately owned in like Oregon or something. But yeah, fun fact, there was one in Alaska still. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here with our last story. And this is from Jessica's friend, Pam. And if you might remember, we read one of her stories last month. She's actually a paranormal investigator over in Sacramento. She's amazing. And her husband is as well from what Jessica has told me. So I'm going to go ahead and read a story that kind of involves both of them. My husband and I are the case manager and location manager of Pacific Coast Spirit Watch in Sacramento, California. When the group finally started, my husband was the resident skeptic. I finally convinced him to come on an investigation with the group in Virginia City, Nevada. I truly believe there are more dead than living in Virginia City, especially in the off-season. We had arranged to investigate the Washu Club, once called the Millionaire Club, the who's who of the silver mining industry, visited on a frequent basis. 
It's also said to have a dark history as well, gambling and prostitution, hard living and hard partying men throughout the boomtown city. We set up our equipment somewhere after midnight and started the investigation. Robert and I were on the second floor, just down the hall from what they call the ballroom. The inside of the Washu Club on the second floor is interesting. You have a long hallway intersected by small halls that go into the rooms. Some of the rooms adjoin and you can go from one room to the next. Robert sat next to me looking down the short hallway towards the ballroom while I looked down another. Robert is an amazing man. He went to Vietnam, not quite 18, and was third force recon. That means he and his team spent a lot of time in the jungle, sometimes in hand-to-hand combat, deep in what many people could never comprehend. I tell you this to explain to you that he does not get rattled very easily. He was wounded by three hand grenades, both arms, both legs, and has a plate in his head. He has told me on numerous occasions that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. He has died twice and came back. So as we sat in the dark, looking down each of our hallways, you can imagine my surprise when Robert asked if I saw them. I didn't see anything, and I told him so. Suddenly, he got up and started walking down the hall towards the ballroom and toward the other rooms on the second floor. He kept calling out, I saw you. Why are you here? What do you want? I started to follow him, trying to get him to talk to me when he finally walked up to two of our team members. Did you see anyone? Anything? They responded negatively. Then he asked if they had smelled anything. Humidity, mud, body odor was their response. My husband answered, the jungle. He had smelled the jungle and who he saw was his recon team walking down the hallway just like they had done when they were heading to get the orders. Robert's seven team members were all gone. One walked into the sea, one ran a motorcycle into a brick wall, and the rest died from complications due to Agent Orange. Robert has scars other than those from the grenades. He is a two-time cancer survivor and had a blood infection that they have yet to explain. Recently, he had a partial foot amputation, pancreatitis, and the list of other issues most related to the time in Vietnam. He had thought that they were coming to collect the last of the team, but we changed that. They're doing what they have always done, protected him, had his back. The Washu had a dark past, and they were there to make sure he was safe. Since then, we have found that when Robert is in a room, nothing will happen, but if he decides he's had enough and leaves the area, all heck will break loose. Flashlights blink, and K2 meters go crazy. They always have his back, literally. When he had the blood infection, I tried to get him to go to the doctor, but being a Marine, he's stubborn and there was seemed nothing I could do. Finally, he went to the restroom, and as he was walking out, he fell and passed out. I couldn't revive him, so I called 911. The doctor said had he not come to the hospital, he probably would have died. He swears someone had pushed him. I think it was his team. They've had his back, even in death. Thank you, Pam, for sharing that one with us. I know Jessica had told me that that one was a really powerful story, so I appreciate on behalf of both of us, since she cannot be here, that you guys felt comfortable enough to share that with us. Um, We really do appreciate getting to share that with our listeners. That does mean a lot to us. That one gave me chills for sure. So that really is going to wrap us up here for our listeners episode. I want to thank you guys for hanging in there with us. I know I probably sound a little awkward just because I'm like, oh my God, Jessica's not here. Change. Ah. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's that. But I want to say thank you to Matthew. He hates when I call him that, but it's fine for coming to read with me tonight because Jessica and I did not want to put off this week's episode. We wanted to make sure it still got out in time. So Matt stepped in and read with me tonight. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to say anything? 
So from Tara, Jessica, Kate the Bell Witch, <laughs> intern Matt, and Alfred the Ant. They don't Thanks know. for listening. <laughs> and only patrons will know who Alfred the Ant is because, you know, bloopers. But um, come back on Thursday, Thanksgiving, while you're prepping all your food, because there will be a stabby coming your way. Jessica has a case that she will be bringing to your ear holes. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and we will see you then. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.